Hello, I, uh, I'm Jelle. I'm from the, from the Netherlands. Um, I've been an EYP -er a couple of years back. Not so much uh, for the last few years during Corona. I've done anything in EYP, even though I'm very interested in it because I've always mostly been focused on the on the group dynamics. I was so interested in that. I switched my study path because of that. So obviously, I've I've mostly chaired in EYP. But yeah, that's that's really where my focus was, my interest was, and I started studying that as well. And I want to practice it now in in my work life that I'm soon starting in the process right now. Nice. So, so what is it that you're studying at the moment? Um, well, currently I graduated, but I studied HR as a bachelor and communication as a master. Fancy. So yeah, I always love to chat about that. And I hope to do that this, uh, this podcast as well. Um, I'm in that phase in between graduating from from uni and not having a job yet so <laughs> not really much to do other than call and email people for hey <laughs> can i come for an interview <laughs> and then just chill with friends and parties and such so have you done your kind of like final exams or dissertations or stuff like that that you need to do yes yes i've handed in my thesis this february nice so i've been like officially graduated for a few months now Quite a few job interviews so far. Oh, congrats. And how have they been going? Pretty well, actually. I mean, the market's obviously very good right now. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a quite luxury position that I can just be quite picky in what I want and not just accept the first thing that I come across. So I, I, over here during like job interviews, the, it's very, very classic. The kind of questions that you get It's always uh, talk to me about a time where this happened. Or tell me a moment where you experienced this and resolved that or stuff like this. Is that the kind of similar stuff you tend to get? Yeah, generally, yes. It's usually just an introduction and then tell tell me a bit about yourself. And then they ask some question about something they saw in your CV or that I tell them like, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about EYP, for example? Uh, okay. Because they're like interested in it. Like, hey, I've never heard of that. What is it? What do you do? Okay. But then <laughs> and then I have to limit myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a difficult bit. But then do, do they also have like those set structure questions? Like, uh, I guess the kind of questions I mean is more around when they say, uh, tell me a mo tell me about a time where you had to lead a team through a difficult situation. Or tell me about a time where you tried to do something but failed. Or tell me about a time where, it, 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 is that like a... Something? Yeah, definitely. It, it depends on a bit on the employer, of course, but generally they ask something something of like a, a difficult situation you were in and how you were how you handled that how you interact interacted with other people but also what what went through your head during that time just to get a bit more idea of how you are what what you act like during a difficult situation yeah and then so during those questions how much percentage of your answers have been like eyp related answers versus non-EYP related <laughs> answers. And why is it 100? It's actually surprisingly little EYP. Really? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. Where, where, yeah. where else is it coming from? Um, well, other like committee experiences from, from like other associations. I, I like to do that a lot. So I've done quite a few of them. Uh, and during those, there's always some kind of conflict with, with someone or like something that isn't going well or someone that isn't doing what they're supposed to do. That's cool. Um, the, the majority of UIP is, I, I guess, I, I, I think a lot about myself, but I think about like lots of people I know in UIP and I think 
that the majority of us have mainly just done EYP and it's like the minority who actually stretch out and do other NGOs or discover the other worlds out there of other organizations doing similar things. So like which other ones did you stretch into? Uh, Mostly just study associations and also a rowing association. So, I mean, quite a a few other students uh, also did those things, but I really noticed like right at the start, I noticed a big difference from my experience in EYP that I already knew how to work in a team and that there were bound to be conflicts and how to resolve those and still work together nicely and stuff. So in the beginning, I noticed a very big difference between me and a lot of the other students. And then now more towards the end, a lot of those students also got that experience from those kinds of committees and associations. And like the, the difference fades a bit. So that's nice to see for them. Nathan's been kind of going through this phase of finding a new NGO crush and comparing EYP <laughs> to it. Have you kind of, have you recognized some things that the other NGOs do better than EYP? Mm, I haven't really been involved in NGOs. Well, associations. Yeah, I guess they are NGOs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, there's a lot of differences. Um, EYP is a lot more remote and then once you get together it's very intense while those associations are more people i could see every day pretty much and there's a a certain place you go to to see those people so like the dynamic with people is a lot different yeah that's true within within the uip i guess a lot of our culture and a lot of what we do is kind of built in order to facilitate us becoming really really close within a short period of time but that's because we only ever have short periods of time together. It's not as if you're going to spend the same year with all these people around you again and again and again, week in, week out, and you always meet at the same place. Maybe there are some NC boards that kind of create that within a city or something like this. But I guess the vast majority of the EYP experience is this just session by session and very quickly i need to get to know everyone i need to be able to connect within a day or two and then we need to be able to work together and then we're going to say goodbye the next day yes exactly so like team building is a lot different it's highly specialized in uip for the purposes we need it for Um, and that's great but that's not really how it works in a lot of these more like daily associations or like weekly things you have when you have a rowing team for example like you, you train with them a couple times a week. You're not going to have the first week do a full day of team building. And then like, that's it. We don't need to do any more team building for the rest of the year. That's just something you do over, over the whole year. And whenever some issue comes up, then you deal with it at that moment or maybe over, over a period of time after that moment. Yeah. I mean, there's no pressure in getting it done instantly because there's time to have it resolved. No, exactly. And that's also a great thing because a lot of the issues are way easier to resolve when you can take the time to settle down a bit, maybe sleep a night before you have a discussion about it. It actually leads me to quite an interesting segue in that in EYP, all of this kind of long-term interaction that we have with people outside of specific events or specific NC structures is only based on friendships. Like we don't do any sort of community action okay maybe like the alumni do something they have alumni gatherings but we don't do this kind of social things and it does create this kind of environment where if you do have a conflict with someone if you don't get along with a person at an event 
and you're both still going to continue doing EYP for the next five years, there's a good chance that you're going to remain rivals and nemesis for the entire duration of it, which is kind of interesting. I wonder if that's something we could do more towards. There's there's Joe going through his book of all of his different rivals <laughs> and, and all of the pictures that he's drawn of them and like cross them out and cut up those papers. It's like a 10 releases encyclopedia. <laughs> Literally. When he's planning a session, he's like, oh no, I can't go there. That person is going to be there. Yes. <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> uh... And so on that, like, true story, you know, when Joel came to me to talk about, like, creating this podcast at the beginning, he said, you know, the the version of the story we're going to tell people is that the reason we're doing this podcast is to record people's stories, to kind of really make sure we we have this in a space where people can go back to it in the, in the future and all of this stuff, and we can really share ideas. But really, I just want to shit on certain people, and I need a <laughs> platform to shit on them for. He started with, he started with NCs. He started shitting all over NC's episode after episode after episode, just as a nice segue to be like, it's only natural that I get to shit on people now. <laughs> I <Brilliant>. mean, <laughs> you're not denying true it. True story. But uh, no, I mean, I think up to this date, like 30 something episodes, and I think I've only should talk a single person in a way that could be recognizable. Who it is. That's true. <laughs> And myself as well. I think we've only each of us actually shot on one person each. We're doing pretty good. We shot on a lot, a lot of end seats and a lot of practices <laughs> and a lot of sessions, but not. <laughs> Which is more constructive, you know? Like these are <laughs> things that evolve over longer periods of time with a lot of people involved that can change things. Whereas one person is one person and should talk in their kind of persona is. <laughs> that's not how the way to go okay then so a question for yellow then so uh as an example myself one thing i'd like to shit a lot a lot on and is a really pet peeve of mine is the academic resolution typing people uh those people who are like i need the resolution to to demonstrate my academic quality so let's fix their resolutions this is bullshit this doesn't work we need to transform it and still make them think it was their ideas and stuff like this i absolutely hate that approach and i hate the pe the people who like drive that kind of stuff have you got some kind of pet peeve or thing in eyp that you kind of want to shit, shit all over I mean, to be honest, you kind of shaped me into also having that pet peeve. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Long term plan. First shape you, then invite you to the podcast to shit back to <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, with you being a senior official uh, twice, I believe. I've noticed that, of course, in you also because you mentioned it, but also in how, how you act as a president, for example, during resotyping. You notice those things, and I've kind of internalized that. Um, it's also never been my style to be is hyper focused on academic on the academic side of it so yeah whenever i came across someone who did have that style i was like oh this is different from what <laughs> from what, what i want to be and actually saying that, that that's kind of interesting is kind of realizing and i think for myself this is the same thing is that a lot of things i really hate in uip or i really hate in certain people or certain approaches in uip is what people who are my leaders at certain sessions is the hate that they had and i connected with them in a certain way and i kind of gained their hatred <laughs> and then <laughs> passed it on to other people and it's kind of weird that we have this like hand-me-down hatred that goes through 
I mean, I don't think it's so much about hatred per se. It's more about passion. Like hatred it's also, is maybe a strong word. Yeah. It's also the good <laughs> things. Like if you're really enthusiastic about well-being, like that's not hatred. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly about the good things, right? I mean, I know for myself, I've picked sessions to go to or people to meet up with because I was inspired by them or was moved by a certain passion and I wanted to experience that more, maybe learn from it more or internalize it more. And you, you pick the people you want to hang around with. You do that in your daily life as well, a little bit less conscious, I think. But for me in EYP, I did that very consciously. I would focus on the positive things I would want to take over from other people. But yeah, of course, that means I would also take their negative negatives. <laughs> Exactly. And then on the resolution type and say with Joe, we've actually been talking about this recently and Rialdo, because I've been like posting out there this idea. And like, you remember like the, the way that we do that we did resolution typing together was there was like a hyper, hyper, hyper structured approach mm -hmm. of like, you will be done at this time and you will hand the USB stick at this time to this person and that person will hand it to the next person at this time. And <laughs> yes. everything is predefined on that flip chart before. I remember that massive it. table, yeah. <laughs> yes. So I've actually made that into an Excel sheet in which all you have to do is, is write down each committee and the order in which they're ready, say what time you're starting and how long does the first committee need for their first check? And then it builds that whole thing for you. <laughs> wow. So that way other sessions can have this really, really rigid approach. But that, like, as I was starting to build that, I kind of realized, okay, if I'm going to build this thing for EYPs to use and for it to be really easy for them, then I also need to include within there the kind of the guidelines for resotyping. And then that kind of took me to this topic. And again, <laughs> I'm thinking of this of being like, well, actually, there isn't a set of guidelines for resolution typing. I will be pushing my personal approach <laughs> and my perspective of how resotyping should be and pairing it to a structure that I want people to use and saying this is a great tool to use. And then if you adopt the tool, the guidelines are going to be built inside the tool of my approach to doing it. And I realized that that's actually... I don't know 100% how I then actually feel about that because <laughs> in OIP, it's, it is cool to have all diversity of opinions and different approaches going on. And if I kind of build a tool that makes everyone's life a lot easier, but in order to use that tool, you kind of have to follow my guidelines to a certain extent because this is what's written on the tool, then is that crushing perspectives or is that, I, mean, I don't know. What's the alternative there? Just never release anything. Just let the organization flail around in the dark unknown. Like, you know, just recognize the bias that you have. Write it down in the damn guide and move on. Like, if people want to make a more inclusive, completely thought out from all perspectives guide, they can develop on top of what you've made. I mean, it's, it's mostly about how you look at it, right? Because... At first, you start working on something. I, I want to provide everyone with this tool that saves a lot of time. But you should probably more look at it like I want to help those people who want to do the same thing as I did do that easier. So it's just it's just not meant for everyone. It's only for those who want to do the same thing, the same style. Yeah, and those people that want to have an academic resolution typing and burn in hell. <laughs> uh, okay, I will write that quote. I will write the quote <laughs> on there and I will put Joel J. <laughs> you can no, use my put, full name, it's okay. I just put JJ. Like, you know, uh, that will confuse everybody. Cool. <laughs>
Yeah, because with things like that, I am. Um, I remember a lot of my time in UAP. I was always thinking about okay, I try something out, and I can say, oh, actually, I think there's something cool here. Let me modify it a little bit for the next session, and I do that, and again and again, and then I'm like, oh, I think I found something that works pretty well. How do you now hand this to other people to use? And my approach always was just, okay, just be transparent about what I'm doing. And then if people like that, they continue it. So a couple of people have kind of continued that specific method of resolution typing, for example. But it's actually a difficult thing to do unless you have the whole ability to build this gigantic table and understand how to design it based on all of these different variables, which is not easy because I failed many times trying to do it the first time. Yeah, I think an important part here like, revolves a lot around like how do we do knowledge sharing within the organization at the greater length because uh, like we have this idea of how the organization and our practices have developed because we've talked to a lot of alumni. But if you start doing EYP, you're not going to have that knowledge. You're just going to start to try doing different things and you're not going to have this kind of same sort of approach that it's okay to just completely disregard things that we've done before because that's just something that someone came up with, just like you're coming up with something else now. And that creates its kind of a status quo where only people like us do create these guides because the younger people that have less experience don't feel like they have the authority to tell the organ or suggest to the organization to do things in a specific way at least that's how i feel might be the case yeah that makes sense also it doesn't sound like a bad thing to me what i do think that should be more more known even amongst experienced ey peers is that uh, the knowledge sharing like we we think of it as something very objective like you you have a certain bit of knowledge and you share it with others and you just tell them this is how it works but what if come to realize over the years is that pretty much every training you ever follow in EYP is always the perspective of the trainer. And for example, Nathan, if you would give a training about that table uh, or that Excel sheet that you made, it would be clear that it's your perspective and like your way of doing things, but that might not be the focus in all of the trainings you give. Like, hey, this is how I look at things and how I think things work but that is kind of what you're giving other people when you when you share your knowledge you're just giving them your perspective of how you think of the world works how EYP works how people work but you never really say it out loud like or maybe you do but it's not I think it could be clearer <laughs> that every training is always the perspective of the trainer I think every single EYP training should start with that sentence yes <laughs> full disclaimer all views and opinions are not of EYP <laughs> are of the trainer delivering the training <laughs> oh exactly but I mean you could get the same training by multiple people and take a different perspective from it each time and still learn something new each time even That's though the, the the actual subject is the same there was something that I wanted to do a while back, which was to create a set of UIP trainings and have them online and accessible to anyone. And I thought this could be like a blended approach through partial video learning, partial text space and like interactive stuff. And you can like make something nice so that way anyone at any time could just go through and like 
learn how to be a chairperson, how to be a media team member, how to be a juror, all this stuff. But then when I was, I was really, really, I had my head focused in that. And then a few people kind of gave me a bit of feedback on it. They said, well, what, what approach are you going to use? Or like, what perspective are you going to be giving in those trainings? Because if you do that and you create it to a high quality and you try to push to standardize it, then you're pushing a way to train a chairperson, a perspective on a chairperson, a perspective on how a juror should be, a perspective on how a media team member should be. And that kind of breaks down the diversity that we currently have. And it's saying that, no, no, this, this is the ideal chairs training to go through. This is what we're kind of all going through. And then it'll start to unify in a certain way that it can actually push for UIP to lose a lot of its creativity and diversity. I don't know. That isn't that in a way, the same thing that this age-old EYP guides, in a way, did? Like, how is that any different? And if those didn't stifle our creativity, maybe they did. But I'm sure there was also a lot of good that came out of those. Like, how is, th how is that different? Uh, I don't think that's very different. But yeah, it does limit your thinking in a certain way. So yeah, it does limit your creativity a bit. But obviously, there's also a lot of good that comes out of it, especially for the not that experienced DYPers, it's nice to just have very structured approach to like to know what you can do. And then after your first experience, you can branch out, try to do it differently, hear other perspectives. It's very useful for the first time. Yeah. I think this other perspective is also the key word here. Like we should we should put out our our perspective because that's the only kind of quality way we can approach it and then push other people to share their ex perspective and experience like we can utilize joel's dictionary of nemesis and <laughs> <laughs> tell them that they should also you know push out a guide on whatever <laughs> and then compare that to the nemesis book of nathan see which names match up and then everyone will know those people are hated <laughs> but i i've been kind of pushing a lot on, on like in this conversation around like the reso reso type and stuff like that because that's been something like on my mind uh within that but something that would jail that we, we kind of heard from a lot of people like especially as they as they've done quite a few years in uip that most people tend to have there are a couple of things out there in uip that they're that they're either very passionate about towards something or really passionate about trying to avoid something that we do in uip and have you felt that like you've got like a certain thing that you that you have a very particular perspective of or whenever you do a session you try to do it in a certain way because of something you experienced mm, that's an interesting question a vague one a very vague one yeah. <laughs> for a good reason yes opens up for a, a lot of answering possibilities exactly. um <laughs> no, I've always been focused on, on process of things. I've mostly focused on chairing. And during chairing, I was always more focused on the process of how people work together and get to somewhere than the actual output, as we discussed earlier. But during that focus on process, I always wanted to not follow a, a specific set of guidelines of like, you need to do this first, then this, then this, because that's just how it is. I always wanted to think about why you do certain things and, and the order you do things in. And during one of the sessions I did with you, Nathan, I specifically challenged the order of things we do, we do things in just because I thought it would make more sense if we switched some things up. So what I did there was I mixed team building and like the, the, the committee work, not have first all the team building and then all the committee work. I 
mixed in between. I did a bit of team building first, then a bit of committee work, then a bit of team building, then a bit of committee work, because you don't need the full team team building for all aspects of committee work. Like you start committee work off with like knowledge sharing. I mean, that's kind of simple. You don't need to fully trust each other yet to do that. And you can use some aspects of committee work to help in the team building. So that's why I wanted, I looked at that process and I wanted to switch things up because I thought that would help. And that's, that concept's always been very interesting to me to challenge how we do things because it might be better in another way. Yeah. And then with that particular committee, then how, how did you find that that went? Like if you compared the way that that team was working um, in certain parts of committee work versus other teams that you chaired? Well, on the one hand, I thought it worked very well because you, you had a lot more flexibility in when you tackle problems or when you tackle problem solving. So whenever any kind of issue comes up or some kind of minor friction, you could pause the committee work, play some kind of game that's very tailored toward the specific situation. And then with or without them knowing what the game was for, the issue would get resolved. Um, and you could then move on to where you were in committee work. Um, so on the one hand, that worked very well. And on the other hand, difference also wasn't that big because I mean, the team building in the EYP is very specialized and yeah, kind of advanced by now. So I generally things went smoothly in most of the sessions. And then of course, some conflict will come up, but then you can also resolve that usually. And that's no different with a different structure. That's true. Nice. So I guess it was, yeah, like you said, it was less about seeing a huge difference between the two, but then realizing actually you can mix it up and you get a similar kind of outcome at the end of the day because of the way that we have designed our team building anyway. Yes. Yeah. And I also think that the, there might be a lot of possibilities for it, but I didn't notice the great benefit yet because I mean, I've only done that specific way once and I've, I've told others about it and I, I wrote like some kind of reflection on it. Like, Hey, this is what I experienced and what, what I did and what others maybe could do. And I, I sent that to a couple others who were interested. So I think it, it, it still needs to develop. Maybe it has by now. I don't know. It's called the different approaches that people like use out there. Like you were saying there about switching up the community work team building um, I remember, I think it was like Jan, Jan Bibicic who did like, instead of doing the first day of team building in the IS, he did the first day as a chairless team building. So he created the whole first day without being there. And it was almost like a treasure hunt in which they would go to a first place. They had a letter and they would have to do an activity and it would give them the guidelines for the activity. And then after they completed that, they would then find the clue to the next activity. And then they would maybe have to go to a certain person or another place to be able to find the next one. And they kind of had to carry on, go around almost on this scavenger hunt all day, being led through a team building without ever seeing their chair until day two. Oh, that's so cool. I love <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess the idea of that was to create an independent team. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I remember we're having a chat with him and I, I believe one of the things that he was really interested in within that is understanding what what is the impact of the chairperson on the team like if, if we're talking about that we're there as facilitators so we're there to design the activity to create it around and everything should just be them happening within but we're just then there to guide them from place to place it was kind of think about okay if that is our real purpose 
can I completely remove myself from that in order to continue like this true purpose of being the facilitator just to facilitate activities? And can my facilitation be there without my personality, without more elements about myself kind of interfering there? I don't think you could write a template like that without including your personality in it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like that to me sounds like they would run quite a big risk of if there's a big conflict and you would need to adjust your plan if you were there in person. If you have everything written out beforehand and you can't influence it in the middle of it, then the committee might just <laughs> tear itself apart while you're not watching them. That's true. But then I guess that, that also, it brings up within that questioning of actually, to what extent are we right within that? Um, maybe that when we're within the team and we pre-plan something and then we see something different, we're like, oh, actually, no, I want to flip this. Maybe I need to do this for them and do that for them. Um, we don't, it, because we do that all the time, we don't actually see what is the impact of us actually designing things specifically to their needs based on what we see at that moment. When we, if somebody is used to always intervening as a chairperson and being a very active chair, then they don't know the impact of their active chairing because they never see themselves not active chairing. So to then see actually with this team development, what could happen, let's say if something bad arises, then maybe that's an extra challenge for them that they tend to overcome themselves. And without, with there being like the power vacuum of the chairperson not being there, maybe it allows them to do it better. Maybe it allows them to not do it as well. But I guess it's almost like an unknown there. Or maybe it allows them to do not do it at all. Like it, I don't know. It, it, someone needs to take responsibility of making sure that the people have a good time and it might not be anyone in the committee and then that, then that can be a situation where the people just end up in not wanting to be there maybe but i mean you don't know and even with this you still don't you can't verify that sharing or like the maybe the first part of team building a chair is not really necessary i mean maybe it worked for this specific group but that doesn't mean it's generalizable to everyone. As, as Joel said, like someone needs to step up and maybe this group had someone or had just some kind of dynamic that made them work together well, but maybe some other group doesn't. And generally that's where what a chair is for, right? To be the, that flexible person, to adjust the team building, to cater to the specific needs of a, of a group. And that if they have a certain conflict that another group wouldn't have had, that the chairperson can jump in and make some kind of uh, play, let them play some kind of game or, or do some kind of activity to solve that. Yeah, yeah. and there is a reason why we do debriefing in our team building, yes. which you cannot yeah. do if you're not there. Well, no, that's true. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, obviously, it's a lot easier, I guess, if you're there to lead the group into certain questions or epiphanies or whatever. But you can do the same concept, I guess, with like leaving instructions like, hey, you've now done this activity, <laughs> sit down and reflect on it for a bit. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite simple and it might not work, but it doesn't necessarily not work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, again, a chance that there's someone in the team that's going to take charge of pushing the agenda that everyone would be comfortable with everything, but that, again, might not happen. Maybe not, but I do. I can imagine that when there's no physical chairperson there, that the delegates would feel more ownership of their process functioning together as a team, 
and that feeling of ownership would push them to take more initiative and maybe speak up when they feel something because obviously we all know that like when someone else is present it's it always puts a kind of burden on on what you want to say so if you're if you have a, a chairperson there they might not feel as comfortable speaking up about their their failures or conflicts or whatever you hope to prevent that of course as chairperson but i mean i could i could see it working not having a chairperson there yeah well one thing that just came to my mind is actually something we've been discussing a lot around safety and maybe there let's say yeah you're bringing young yeah, young europeans from different cultures different backgrounds together in a space some of them may be the first time away from their parents in this kind of situation some of them may be very used to that and very different personality types and like everyone you know, you're in a very very intense situation together and the chairperson also is meant to be there i guess as the layer of safety so if the chairperson isn't there what if somebody doesn't feel safe in the environment what if somebody feels offended and starts to go very much inwards and is about to have a very negative experience and the chairperson is normally there to then prevent that from happening or to step in certain situations or have certain one-on-one -on -one conversations and maybe those stuff would be missed yeah that's definitely true there's a lot of very problematic shit that delegates get around to if <laughs> no one's there to keep them in check. <laughs> That's literally what chairs are here for. We're, we're basically we're like the guards. We're like the bouncers at a nightclub. Just keeping people in check. Making sure they're doing their shit properly. Are That's you debriefing? exactly how yes. we want to be seen. Exactly. <laughs> Us as the experienced group dynamics people stepping in for this shit. I love it. Okay, the thing on this like group dynamic stuff, right? Uh, when we talk about group dynamics in EYP, we always refer to one particular theory, which is, uh, come on, in EYP group <laughs> dynamics, what is the one thing we talk about? There's a lot of theories out there. Fire cycle or? Exactly. We're, we're always talking about Fyro. Okay, sometimes we go into Tuckman, but it's mainly focusing on Fyro. Mm -hmm. uh, every single time we do EY, uh, an EYP training, somebody will do a module on Fyro. And I kind of realized not too long ago that I never actually looked into the actual Fyro <laughs> itself and just our EYP Frankenstein's monster version of it that we built. <laughs> and then checking it, I was like, okay, because I was doing a, a training on group dynamics. And I was like, you know what? Let's do a bit of Fyro. I thought, you know what? Let, let's just let's just confirm it against some papers. And I was trying to find like our cycle that we discuss out there and I couldn't. <laughs> and it was, it was so difficult to find out there. As in like within, within Fyro, that there there is this kind of like three part cycle of inclusion, control, affection, and it really focuses on this. And then Fire B is about personality types and behaviors within this, and trying to understand where somebody feels within this. And the way that we discuss Fire and the way that we've built out is a very very thing unique to our organization, and it's no longer based on any evidence, no longer based on any person's theories. It's us kind of having extract something and done a ton of different Chinese whispers for it to kind of go around through decades into this lovely IU honeymoon we end kind of thing that we've built. I don't know, Nathan, it's a simple Google search away to get the fifth image being forming, storming, norming and performing. That's that's Tuckman. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to a sense, well, Tuckman and FireCycle are quite interchangeable the way we use them in UIP and the way we talk about it in UIP true yeah we, we, we always label basically Tuckman's one as Fyro but Fyro is something completely different okay that's what you mean what what then based on your research is uh, Fyro cycle about 
if not to Tuckman's mod. So F- Faro is is so from my understanding is like yeah William Schultz kind of came up with this in in the late fifties, and what what he kind of wrote down was to say that you bring a group together, they will go through um, certain behavioral changes as they develop as a group. And there's three specific ones. One is around inclusion. The other one is a c- control. And the next is affection. And inclusion is all about, I need to be a part of this space. I need to feel safe here. I need us to kind of be together. Um, control is a lot more of a struggle for power. Which direction are we going through to who actually gets to dictate this direction? I want to be able to have a say in these elements. And there comes a lot of conflict within this and then affection is the one I always kind of hesitate a bit more on. Uh, but I believe that's more towards like the, the the closeness, support, and the warmth of the team kind of actually being able to trust and come together. But it's it's in a very, very different way to the way that we talk about it. Whenever we do fire trainings in EYP, we're basically doing Tuckman model, but with our EYP terms on top of it instead. But like this, this is pretty funny because like we do literally 500 to 1,000 sessions per year. And I would say 80% of these sessions teach FIRO model, module. And this FIRO module that we teach <laughs> is not FIRO. <laughs> We're teaching something else with these EYP names. And there's this like really weird kind of knowledge sharing thing that we come out with. And then we walk away and we're like, you know what? We know our group dynamic stuff. And if, if ever we need to work with a group or something like that, we're like, team building. We need to go into this. I know my shit. <laughs> I learned about FIRO today. I know. <laughs> on, on one hand, though, I could also see that being a positive thing because we do accumulate a shit ton of practical experience around group dynamics within EYP. And then our trainers use this personal experience that they've had to create this kind of modules on group dynamics. And sure, we could label it incorrectly under some dude's name and <laughs> their theory, but that could also mean that it's just a more tailored approach to our organization instead of this generic theory about group dynamics in general. Because if you do start to look at group dynamics literature, it's so much based around business needs. It's not about bringing multicultural youth groups together for a three-day event. <laughs> that, that's, that's not what the science is interested in, <laughs> but that's what we are interested in. That's true. And I guess so it again, can... it comes down to how the knowledge is phrased. It's, in this case, it's like, tailored toward the situation of EYP. And as you said, literature, it's often tailored towards business needs. But this comes again down to what we were talking about earlier, that knowledge sharing isn't just objective. It's always from a certain perspective. So maybe in EYP, we should accept that, for example, this viral cycle is not the one from literature. It's like our own specific one that helps us out a lot because it's way more accurate towards EYP scenarios, I guess. But maybe we should mention that, hey, it's not what the official literature says, it's highly adapted towards our own situations. Um, So if you want to generalize it to, I don't know, maybe someplace you go to work after EYP, maybe you should (laughs) revisit the things you think you know. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The other day when I was about to do a group dynamics training, I was like, oh my god, no, I need to revisit this shit. And then I started revisiting, I was like, oh my god, it's it's all been lies (laughs) for a decade. It's everything I know is a lie. Mm -hmm. What else do I need to revisit and re-question? It was like if there's one EYP module that you would like, this is really based on theory, it was Fyro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm myself, I'm functioning as a scrum master and just kind of, kind of a pseudo facilitator for my small IT team. And we had a, we, we, my organization is slowly moving into this agile performing way that the uh, scrum method is based in then, and the scrum masters then fall under. And we had this convergence of okay all, all the scrum masters or the facilitators came together and talked about okay how do we implement this and how do we take all the knowledge of this theory and put it into practice in our teams and i'm just uh, fighting for conflict <laughs> this place where most of the people are gonna be I, I don't know like the average age of our employees probably way beyond 30 and some of some of our employees are like beyond their 50s and such and i'm just like like this isn't exactly adaptable to this group <laughs> that we are that some of these scrum masters or facilitators are dealing with and that, that's a very interesting interesting realization i still fought <laughs> for it though <laughs> nice because i believe in it <laughs> Right, then in that case, what we need to do, and like you know, if anyone's listening and feels like they want to take it up, do this, is to build our own EYP group dynamics model. Um, that's what people do all the time, is you take from previous literature, you study it, and then you look at the way you need to use it, and then you develop your own model based on it. That's any kind of different personality type thing you've seen has been built from a previous model. And they look at that model and they disagree on certain things or they need to use it in a specific way. And then they build their new model. And then everyone's constantly just building new models on other models to adapt it to their needs. And I guess this is what UIP has kind of done, but then kind of used one person's model, adapted it and called it some other model, which is a different model anyway. And maybe we just need our own one, like an EYP interpersonal relationship theory or something like this. That'll be irupt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure we can abbreviate it to be sperm somehow. As we oh, okay. How, how can we do that? <laughs> no, <laughs> let's do uh, uh, Social. Special <laughs> protocol <laughs> for EYPs. Uh, but like... I think I think it would definitely be interesting to try and yeah. Okay, Okay, so so it's the special (laughs) of UIP's relationship model. Oh, relationship methodology. Yeah, Yeah. sure. It's a special protocol of EYP's relationship methodology. Spam. Uh, yeah, I think it will be interesting to look at a lot of our knowledge in EYP through this kind of lens, like, sure, we could just take the simple approach and re- rename our modules from fire cycle to sperm cycle. <laughs> but, but I think that there could be a lot of interesting value if we put together our minds and started to look at our accumulated knowledge on a bigger scheme. Like, but if we just 
try to move past this uh, existing existing theories and try to make our own. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's exactly what I'm suggesting here, which is it isn't just for relabeling. Um, the idea behind also the relabeling here is that on the one hand, yes, we've modeled based on Tuckman, but on the other hand, we've currently named it Fyro, which we're not following whatsoever and not teaching. <laughs> so we, we created like, we have like theory A, theory B, theory C. We're teaching this theory C that's based on theory A and we've named it theory B. We're doing this really weird, bizarre <laughs> hybrid approach in which, yeah, definitely we have called insight. We can actually do studies. There is lots of research, lots of data out there and tailoring it towards us and really figuring out saying, okay, our model is going to be based on the need to build a work, working team who are cross-culture, cross-value, cross different segments of society, etc. And we need them to be working within a period of a less of a couple of days. They may only have, let's say, 8 to 15 hours, probably tops, of actual time working together to actually get them to a workable state. And that's what our model focuses on. Yeah. And I think in to a degree, that's what the old sharing cuts were trying to do. Like if you look at whatever Yari Marilun's sharing guide, that's a decade old at this point. It does kind of have this sort of an idea of gathering all the relevant bits of what we know. But we've gained so much more knowledge since those were released. Maybe there would be a necessary revision, which then does bring us back into this whole subjective approach into it. Thing. And maybe we should just have five different guides into every single aspect of EYP. I mean, that's of course best. All the perspectives. <laughs> no, but when when you when you're talking about making uh, like this this new EYP model, then you also have to ask yourself the question: Who is the target group for this model? Like, are we still thinking about okay, we're, we're we want a, an an approachable, understandable model? that we can teach in our trainings to EYPers? Or are we more thinking about, oh, we want to teach our EYPers more generalizable stuff that's usable outside of EYP? Because that's uh, not that different of a focus, but I think it would still heavily impact the purpose of such a model and how you would use it and what needs to be included in it. <laughs> yes. No, but as as we, uh, I think, Joel, you mentioned it, it's, it's not a problem that we misuse the term viral cycle because everyone who gets that training learns something from it and can use that in, in, in a group they work with. It doesn't matter that they think it's viral when it's not, as long as they learn something from it. But if you want to have the proper name, if you want to teach them a proper name, then you should, of course, stick to the, the theory that's already out there in literature, not call it something else. But then you need to say if it's generalizable or not. So I guess that's a bit of advice. Next person who's going out there to actually lead a, a firing module, um, recommend you just to search Tuckman model. Just search Tuckman on Google, and then you'll find something that's very much related to, to what you're discussing anyway. Bunch of literature out there about that. And if you believe what you're teaching is actually uh, a bit different to that, then say, cool, This is I'm currently adapting this based on Tuckman, but this is what we do in UIP. And maybe some people can actually create something unique to us that works better in our organization compared to anything that exists out there in the literature perfect i mean i'd argue we'd already done that i'd argue that our the fire recycle module that we hold right now is that 
It's something that we've catered to fit to our organization needs. And I, I'm sure if you really look into the deep scientific theory behind the Tuckman's module and then hold a training on that, it's going to be less useful than spending that pure theory time on something more adapted to UAP needs, because that's what we do. Yeah, that could be true. But the message still holds. Like you could still, during your training, say like, hey, this is our own version, like an EYP specific version of it. So people realize they need to research it a bit if they want to use it in a different setting. Yeah, let's, let's just stop calling it a FIRO. <laughs> <laughs> just, just that, just that. <laughs> but, but let's not call it Tuckman either. No. It is, it's let's an adaptive. Let's also not call it sperm model. <laughs> yes, let's not. Although, although <laughs> I don't know that one. I, I I'm really agreeing with our first two don't do's, but like this third one, I feel <laughs> you need a name for things to catch on. And so th this is something I've been also thinking about with the resotyping thing. Someone created beforehand the bottleneck breaker. That was so catchy. Bottleneck breaker. True. This is a cool method. Let's do this. And straight away from the term, you kind of think about, okay, this is what it's doing. And then there's a guide on it. And it kind of helps you understand how to break the bottleneck when it comes to resotyping. And just as like a 30 second thing, what it is, is you try to get the president or the VPs to check resos resolutions from the very beginning instead of awaiting them for the end because they're the bottleneck. It's a really cool, simple approach. That's what my approach also kind of uses as well a bit. So then for like the one I was doing, I was thinking, okay, what kind of cool names can I give it? And I I haven't thought of anything. I was like, <laughs> I think the closest one I've got it to is like structured resotyping. But I'm like, no, that just sounds like meh. <laughs> That's boring. How about the Minute Matrix? Ooh, I like it. Yes, Minute Matrix. We have a winner. Well, there you go. I love it. Yep. Just talking about EYP inspires my creativity. <laughs> You're a poet and you didn't even know it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything needs a catchy title. Yes, I agree. I mean, that's one of the main points of labeling things, right? Mimetic transfer. I'm pretty sure for the four Fs of debriefing, there was a different thing that could have been way better, but they're like, yeah, but that'd be like three Fs and an A. That doesn't sound good. Can we change that A? They're like, okay, what about this? Like, okay, similar-ish. You know what? Let's just do that. I don't know. Faffing about sounds interesting. <laughs> the four Fs of debriefing. The first thing to do is to faff about yeah. and then to... Um... <laughs> no, I mean, if you spell it like F-A-F-F. Ah, -F -F. oh, Okay. Oh, that's Three true. Okay. Faff. Yeah, let's faff. How did your faff go with your team? Exactly. They're, they're proper, proper good faffers then. <laughs> Those are the things you want to say when you're talking to other officials, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Concerning underage children, yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then all of the guests and speakers would be like, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> I mean, there's so much EYP lingo. I think they have that anyway. <laughs> fair and I, I do love that how like organizations almost create their own vocabulary like in EYP the way we talk about things and all the acronyms not okay of course the acronyms we use that's one thing but then like in, the, the, the term session what a session refers to I'm in a different NGO at the moment where session means a module of training you're delivering so whenever I say to them, I was in this session, they're thinking I was in this module that I was delivering. I'm like, no, 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 this, this event. It's like, okay, like the whole now thing. I, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Now I have to use the word event. So what the whole of it? Yeah, yeah the whole mm. event. That's what we refer to as session. But then I go to other places and I talk about a training that could be an online training. 
I'm like, no, no, when I talk about training, yeah. Okay. When I talk about <laughs> delivery, a delivery of a training, okay. That means that there was a, a structure involved. Okay. And they're just trying to find these, these right words. At least we don't call our members alumni anymore because that was just played out incorrect. <laughs> that's true. True. <laughs> With the alumni platform. Yeah. I mean, that's also a struggle I, I've heard from many people and also experienced myself and probably everyone in EYP experiences at some point is how do you translate EYP things to your CV or to job interviews or yeah, there's, there's so many and so much terminology that that you just say instinctively and then the person sitting opposite to you <laughs> looks at you like all questionably like what yeah I, I, I was chairing this committee in this session and they're like whoa whoa, whoa okay <laughs> yeah I, I, I understood that this <laughs> and I was <laughs> the other words <laughs> maybe committee <laughs> and I guess like this kind of thing is is less about us working with semantics to be like oh yeah well we say this word instead of this word but it's more about if we think about what we're doing in EYP is we're developing ourselves it's all a lot of it is about personal development and it's not personal development that we want to just stick to in EYP but it's about growing yourself for after you finish EYP and then you continue and you still hold all these tools and stuff and then if our vocabulary is not kind of aligning with the outside world, then maybe that also blocks some of your transfer stuff. Or like just with our example here or FIRO or these different things, if if you don't, yeah, if there aren't the word, the right words involved, then sometimes that transfer of from something in EYP to the outside world in your life may be a bit more difficult. Yeah. And maybe you, it's not even difficult for yourself, but for your surroundings, like your, your friends and family, or yeah, as I said, job interviews, they don't realize what you've experienced and how much you've learned because you can't put it in the right words. That's true. Maybe that's an episode we should talk, have. <laughs> EYP lingo, lingo and skill transfer. That would sound nice. How to talk job interview EYP style. Hey. I mean, that's definitely a very important one, very useful one. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in that process right now. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Only 50% of you is coming from that direction, you know. <laughs> Maybe a bit more. Yeah. Did you know there's a couple of EYPers that you I think you even might know that started to do like a team building organization, doing team building as a service basically for companies. So Amazing. No, but I've, I've come across uh, lots of initiatives like that, um, mostly focused on energizing employees. I've come across that quite a lot, but yeah, team building is also a very good one. There's no safety when it comes to talking shit. There's just shitting on everyone. It's like a shit, shit, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a pigeon. And I feel like p pigeons have a problem, right? Like imagine like walking around your day to day and just constantly just shitting at random places on your way. You call that a problem? We have officially found Joel's spirit animal. <laughs> Mine? What? Oh, yes. uh, a pigeon. A pigeon just get to I shit mean, on everyone all day long. I don't know. I feel like my shitting on people is more targeted. It's more like an ape throwing shit around. Uh, this is not going to the podcast. <laughs>